You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Well now, there's some very good thoughts in that hymn. And if you've got a chance to look at the words or turn it up uh, on the computer or whatever this evening and read it before you go to bed, I trust it will be a real encouragement. The promises of God and we take our stand in other words, we rest our lives on all of those promises. I was thinking about preaching some lessons on Old Testament characters that we could learn about serving God in, in the evenings, and I have still uh, a few evenings that I've asked to be here for the next wee while. But today I have chosen to preach on a rather obscure Old Testament character and see what we can learn. Maybe look at some of the ladies at some stage, but it's a man this evening. It's really the prayer of Jabez. And there's not very much told about him in the Bible. Uh, in fact, the whole thing is summed up in two verses. And it's in First Chronicles, and I'm going to read it now. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So if you want to open your Bible at First Chronicles chapter 4, 9 and 10, you will see the points of the sermon staring out at you straight away. The title is The Prayer of Jabbath. This is what the Word of God says. Jabbath was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabbath, saying, I give birth to him in pain. Jabbath cried out to the God of Israel. And here's the prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me, free, keep me from harm <coughs> that I may be free from pain. <coughs> and God granted his request. And that's what the scripture tells us about this character, Jabez. <coughs> Let me say this. Parents, how did you pick a name for your children? I'm sure and I hope that you give it very considerable thought because your children will have that name all the days that they live. My name is Noel, it's obvious. I was born on Christmas Day, fairly obvious. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I was in... Um, McDonald's, I think, I'm not sure what it was called, Rain or Balamine, I think it was called Rain. And there was a, a as you'll understand, there was a, a group of people, and they were parents, and there were a group of youngsters that were not very well controlled, making a bit of a fuss running about here and there. And there was a woman who was texting on her phone, and she wasn't looking after her children, and she realized the children weren't there, and she started, she shouted out at the top of her, she said, Vianetta! <laughs> and I thought to myself, we should call him for an ice cream. <laughs> Imagine, with disrespect, there's nobody here how called Bionetta, but, uh, you know, that was strange. Sometimes children are called after rich aunts or uncles, and there's a uh, kind of a reason for that, of course. Uh, it doesn't always work out. We had a caravan many years ago in Newcastle, and uh, beside ours, our caravan, there was a man called Sammy. And I don't know where Sammy came from, around Makara, um, the Gabri prisoner somewhere. His name was Sammy. His son, he was called Sammy. 
And then a grandson, what do you think the grandson was called? He was called Sammy as well. There must have been a shortage of names in that family. Sometimes names are ridiculous. I knew a person, lovely person, she was called Isabel Bell. It was suggested that George Bush thought about calling his daughter Rosemary until he realized she would be called Rose Bush. Sometimes people have names they don't like. Maybe you don't like your name. I know people who don't like their names. I know people who actually changed the surname of their husband when they got married because they didn't want his name as such. And I could explain that to you later. I'll not take it now. But the name Jabbers would not be a popular name today. And no wonder. You see, in Old Testament times, names were very symbolic. For example, uh, the name was a kind of a prediction. For example, Solomon's name means peace. And sure enough, he became the first king of Israel to reign without going to war. But what does Jabbath mean? Well, we're told in the reading. Jabbath means pain. Pain. Why would his mother have given him such an awful name? Had she a difficult childbirth or did she not want another baby? We don't know those things. But we're told that she named him Jabbath because she gave birth to him in pain. Maybe it was a long labor, I don't know. What do we know about it? Well, let's turn to the background. As far as we can tell, he lived in southern Israel around the time of the judges. That was about 1,200 years or so prior to the birth of Christ. He was born into the tribe of Judah. That was the same tribe that David and eventually Jesus' line was brought through. And his name hence appears in the book of the Chronicles. He was noted for his honorable character. We're told that straight away. And as we shall see, his heartfelt prayer. A man called Dr. Fraser is one of the people who comments on him. And he, he says this, and I'm quoting here. If names are like rows of hard stones that fatigue us as we walk on them, then all the more precious is this fragrance shrub growing among them that casts a sweet scent all around. Because for some cause untold, a mother bore a son with unusual grief and she called him Jabbath, meaning sorrowful or in pain. But it was to God's pleasure that this son of sorrow was turned into a son of the right hand, and the sad-hearted sad mother's fear was never fulfilled. We're told he was more honorable than all his brethren, and if we inquire the reason, it was because of his prayer. Now, what did he pray? Well, in verse 10, the first point was that, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. First of all, he wanted a blessing from God. He wanted a blessing. Bruce Wilkinson had written a book on Jabbath. Maybe some of you had it. It was geared for teenagers. And one of our children had it. And I was reading it. I suppose it inspired the sermon. And he comments that we need a new definition of the word bless. Sometimes we, 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 we think it, it rolls off our tongue. We have a salt and pepper set in our house, 
and they're always put out when there are visitors. Because the, the, the pepper, when you shake the pepper, it sneezes. There's a little buttery in it. And when you shake the salt, it says, bless you. And it always causes a bit of amusement. But blessing means much, much more than that. God's blessing made Abraham a very successful businessman, with Abraham's cooperation, of course. God's blessing enabled David to conquer a giant with five stones from a river. Now, Jabbath, when he asked for God's blessing, he wasn't asking for a fancy car or a million dollars. He left the decision to God, oh, that you would bless me, whatever it was. He sought God's blessing in the way that life would work out. He left it open to God to bless him. And I'm getting the impression that this guy wanted to go straight in life. And he knew that he wasn't going to make it on his own. And his prayer was not a half-hearted, wishy-washy prayer. It was a desire from the bottom of his heart, above all else to happen, that God would bless him. God's blessing the prayer that Jabbath prayed would mean satisfaction, blessing, satisfaction, peace. I've met many wealthy people, I'm sure so of you, but they're never satisfied. We see that with people who gain a lot of money and um, some lottery or pools or something like that. They don't, seem, they don't seem any better off and they're never satisfied. And yet I've met, and I'm sure so of you, others who have prospered and they endeavor to use their prosperity and their good things to be a blessing to others. I heard the story many years ago of an elder in the congregation of Drumbo near Lisburn, and he went to the Port Stewart Convention. And the problem in the village of Drumbo, I don't know if you know Drumbo, there's a Presbyterian, big Presbyterian church sits at a crossroads. But there was a pub somewhere nearby. And the problem was that the, that pub was a real temptation to the young folk going to the youth club, and it was a real source of concern to the session of that congregation. And this man listened to a speaker at the Port Stewart Convention many, many years ago, and he felt that God was telling him to do something. He was a wealthy man. And the pub was up for sale. And he went back to the village of Thrombo, and he used his money to be a blessing. He bought the pub, and he tore up the license, and there was no pub in the village of Drumbo. Using, it's only one example, using a blessing, or using something to be a blessing for other people. Now, it seems that praying for God's blessing, it's not just about asking for more things that we can enjoy. You know, sometimes we think, we say we're blessed if we have uh, this and that and a lot of material blessings, right bit of money and so on. And we are blessed in a way. But that's not quite what we're getting at here. Go asking for God's blessing is asking for God's favor that we can serve him better. That we, in turn, can be a blessing to others. I suppose asking for God's blessing on our lives at the same time, it's praying that God will reveal to us his will. It's a two-way partnership that we are prepared to do our part with God's help. 
there's no point in asking for God's blessing if parts of our lives are in contradiction with his will. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some time ago in our devotion, I was reading about a very busy doctor who took time every morning at the start of the day to press for God's blessing on the work of the day and the decisions that would be made before the day's work would begin. The prayer of Jabot, oh, that God would bless me indeed. It's a cry from his heart. We don't know much about him, but that's true. A man who wanted to live a right, a man who, who wanted to go God's way, and who in turn wanted more than anything else to be a blessing to others. Do you desire God's blessing for your life that much? We ought. Secondly, he prayed, Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. What did he mean? I think it means this. He felt he was born for more uh, than what he had at the moment. Now, you can say he had a bit of Christian ambition. He wanted more influence than he currently had. He wanted to make a mark for God in the world. There are people who feel it's not right to ask for more. They're a bit like Oliver, uh, Oliver, what do you call him, in the porridge? Oliver Twist in his porridge. They have that kind of timid approach. But you know, one of our hymns, and don't forget some of those great old hymns as well as the lovely new ones. One of our hymns, and it's written by, I think it's John Newton, it's about prayer. <clears throat> he said, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such we could never ask too much. Do you remember the story of Bartimaeus in the New Testament? And Bartimaeus sat at the roadside begging. And then he cried out against all odds to Jesus. He cried out uh, for Jesus, despite the discouragement and the, or the cooperation of the crowd. And I think you could say this. He was asking for Jesus, who was passing by, to enlarge his territory and restore his sight. If Bartimaeus had not cried out, Lord, I want to see the chances are he would have remained blind to the very day of his death. Surely in God's church today, he needs people with vision. Yes, maybe the way we did things 50 years ago doesn't work that well today. We've got to recognize that. People who are not content with what they have but are reaching out and reaching up for God. I was looking for a verse last night in the hymn and I found it. In the streets of every city where the bruised and lonely live, we will show the Saviour's pity and his longing to forgive. In all lands, with all races, we will serve and seek to bring all the world to render praises. Christ to you, Redeemer King. In the streets of every city, where the bruised and lonely live. I don't know, this is not a city, maybe you think it is, but it's an important town, and I don't know who lives there, but I'm sure there are people with great needs. One modern Christian writer 
uh, puts it like this, every miracle begins with a bold request. And think about Bartimaeus again. Every miracle begins with a bold request. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And when you don't take a step of faith, you're basically saying you don't need God. But if you cry out like what Jabbath was praying, enlarge my territory, he will provide what you need to fulfill his purposes. I believe we need to keep our vision alive. Without a vision, people perish. Jabbath lived at a time in the history of Israel when the Jews were still taking over the promised land. And we, we can see from what we read in Judges 1 how that seven times the various tribes, they failed to win. Can you imagine how disappointed God must have been with their small dreams? But Jabbath, in this prayer for which he is remembered, realized he was born for more. To use the phrase from Esther, born for such a time as this, born for a purpose. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Today we need vision like Jabbath, to reach beyond where we feel comfortable as his plans unfold in our lives. Or to cry out a bit like what uh, Paul cried out uh, on the, after his conversion on the Damascus Road. Lord, what will you have me to do? Your prayer might sound like this. Oh God, I want to do great things for you. Please, Lord, expand my opportunities and increase my influence so that I can touch more lives for you. May your will be done through my life. Jabba's prayer. Oh, that God would bless me. Oh, that God would enlarge my territory. And then thirdly, let your hand be with me. In other words, the prayer that when success would come, he would still be found faithful or dependent on God. There's nothing that will uh, kill a person or even go to a person's head like success. And that applies to Christian or non-Christian alike. It applies to every age. And it applies to every group of people. If we are successful, don't let life get out of balance. It's interesting to notice the various pieces of advice that, that God gives to those who are, we may say, were successful in life. For example, in the Bible, Psalm 62, though or if your riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Don't set your heart on them. Or uh, in Luke 6, 26, woe to you, said Jesus, when all people speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. And he prayed, Jabez prayed, that when success would come, he would still be found faithful. Andre Rogers, minister of Dungannon, was my spiritual mentor all those years ago. And I learned a lot from him. And he said on one occasion, he was talking about someone who should have made it in life, but sadly they didn't. Things went wrong. And he said, it takes a very steady hand to hold a full cup. It's very true, you know. It takes a very steady hand to hold a full cup. Not many people can understand.
death. And clearly, Jabbath, that we're thinking about here, was aware of this, and he prayed that if the Lord blessed him, and when the Lord enlarged his territory, that he would still be found faithful and still be totally dependent on God. We all might need to pray, Lord, keep your hand on me. Don't let success go to my head. There's a big danger in that. And then the last thing that Jabbath prayed in his memorable prayer was this. Oh, that you would keep me from harm. It was a prayer for God's protection. Someone said once that danger is not necessarily being on the edge of the the precipice or the cliff. It's being unwatchful when you're standing there. And what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Very pertinent phrase. The best way to uh, defeat a roaring lion is to stay out of the arena. Watch out for those things. Prayer for protection. Those people, those places that are not helpful to us as we walk the Christian road, as we try to seek to go God's way. The internet is another example. And no matter how many years we've been on the journey, no matter how close to God we may think we are, how spiritual we may feel we are, I think we all still need to pray like Jabbath of old. Oh, that you would keep me from success. Well, that's the prayer of Jabbath. We don't know very much about him after that. We don't know how it worked out. And we don't know what he achieved exactly. We don't know how, indeed, God blessed him. But then remember this, God's book is about himself. It's not about Jabbath, it's about Jabbath's God. They are only the miniature heroes. God is the hero. And that's relevant for us today. Maybe that prayer could be a prayer that you would pray and I should pray too. Oh Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm that I may be free from pain. And the last five words of the text in 1 Chronicles 4.10 said this, and the Lord granted his request. Isn't that lovely? May that be so for every one of us. Let's pray.